following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. We operate from this infrastructure called holacracy. It's not a corporate, you know, hierarchy. Yeah. It's what actually Tony does with Zappos. And so it's all based on roles and accountabilities, not based on titles. And so I wear probably, you know, two, three, four, six hats, and each person actually has many roles. And so for me, I consider myself a strategist. I consider myself a curator in terms of influencers and speakers and programming. And I consider myself a project manager. But all of the other individuals get to play out all of these different talents because Holacracy allows for them to do so. Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 Podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. Today we have Forbes Under 30 listee Amanda Slavin on. She's on via Skype. She's the founder and CEO of Catalyst Creative, which is an experienced studio that helps brands and cities connect, develop, and engage. And Amanda will fill us in on all the specifics of that. Hello. Hi. How are you? I am good. I'm I'm in New York right now, so it's a little bit chilly, but feeling great. How are you? I'm doing well. And you live, you don't live in New York. You live LA and Vegas. Is that right? I'm now actually living more Las Vegas, New York. Okay. Uh, LA is not as much in the, in the actual cycle, but we'll probably be still going to LA a bit. Got it. Got it. Well, so I have a question for you because we had marketing, marketing agency was written here at first of, of what you, of what you do. But then, then I also saw experience studio and I have to be honest, I like experience studio better. So what's yes, the difference? You I tell me. I do too. <laughs> so I, I really like Experience Studio and I, I didn't really want to be called an agency for quite some time because I feel like we're different than an agency. Uh, my background, I have a master's in education and then was in marketing and events for quite some time and, and wanted to really kind of tackle experiences in a very unique way. But what started happening was it was more difficult for us to explain what we did than just prove that we do things differently. And so we had to kind of also call ourselves an agency. So people actually knew what we were talking about. Right. Uh, so yeah, so you can use both though. And I still like experience studio and taking a moment to thank our sponsors, Veridesk, rocket mortgage and zip recruiter. Right now you can try zip recruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. And so now you tell what is it that you do and then and then I have lots of questions. Great. So we consider ourselves an experiential marketing agency, but um, again, our background, my background is, is a little bit unique and, and a lot of the individuals that work for Catalyst, their backgrounds are unique in the fact that we have expertise in internal team optimization, um, brand education, we call it, and creative activation. So what that really means is working with teams to inspire the internal teams, working with them to develop internal workshops, working with them to you know really kind of put them on the same page, and then developing creative 
outputs true to the DNA of the organization. So that can be an experience, like a full event. It can be a designed new, you know, branding campaign. Mm -hmm. It can be social media campaign, but the outputs vary depending on the actual internal pain points. We have this workshop that we call the brand acupuncture workshop, but in a nutshell, we're an experiential marketing agency that does really cool marketing campaigns. That is one of those things. If I read, if I read what you just said on a transcript, I feel like I could read it five times, and I would know more each time because there's a lot in there. Did you say acupuncture? What did you say? I speak very quickly too, great. so I get in more than most people get in, in like a lifetime. I think I've already spoken my amount of words. That's it's great. Words. Uh, some so people raspy. speed up podcasts; they can slow this one down. You can go half speed. So the brand acupuncture workshop. It's yeah. a workshop that Catalyst Creative developed, and it's an internal workshop all around identifying pain points and coming up with creative solutions. Ah, okay. And so that's that you know background in education is how do you create experiential marketing strategies that work? The only way to really do that is by working with organizations from the inside out and activating those companies from the inside out, like a catalyst, bringing them from passive to active so they can then actually activate their customers. And so we do kind of internal experiences to inspire and to educate to then be able to develop external experiences, which are marketing experiences. So what is an example of an internal experience or isolating a pain point that you, mm-hmm. you would – and how would you, how would you isolate it, find it, and then how do you ultimately fix it? Yeah. So the brand acupuncture workshop is a full day workshop. Usually we, we like to have the full team in house, uh, but we've worked with everyone from, you know, five to 20 people within these workshops. Uh, and we have a series of questions that really gets down to kind of the nitty gritty of, of what's going on within the organization. So we did one with the PTA as an example. Uh, and for the PTA, it was really around connecting with the millennial generation, millennial parents, that was what they thought that they were bringing us in for. But as we continued to have the conversation, we realized that it was less about actually connecting with millennials, and it was more about the way that they were communicating with all of their PTA members, which was that it was more about kind of, again, you know, dictating rather than facilitating. And we wanted to create a culture that was more focused on facilitating. And that came from all of the chapter meetings with the PTA. That came from the way that the PTA treats themselves internally, the way that that way that they communicate. Uh, and so this kind of facilitate versus dictate became this mantra that would lead them into a new communication strategy, that would lead them into a new website rebrand, that mm-hmm. would lead them into a new you know campaign to engage millennial parents. Uh, but that came from a full day of questions. And I'm happy to also share, you know, come up with a custom one for this podcast audience. Uh, but there's a series of questions that we've identified to be able to actually reach those individuals. And also the facilitator in the room, it's their job, me or someone that works at Catalyst, to continue the right. conversation to get the answers we need to identify the solution. Is there an element of idea thinking in your work? There is. Or so design I think, Sorry, thesis, I design yeah. thinking, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Idea thinking, design thinking, for sure. Um, so I... I got my thesis in education and curriculum and instruction, as I mentioned, and I wrote my thesis on uh, the seven levels of engagement. So Mm -hmm. I created a methodology to actually measure engagement. And then I applied those levels in uh, marketing, you know, about 10 years ago. And so we've been, we kind of leveraged those levels. There's, I can certainly go through those at another time, maybe over a drink because I can't speak too quickly right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the seventh level is called literate thinking. Mm 
And literate thinking is when your personal values and beliefs align with a brand's message. Uh, and that's, you know, that's kind of really right. what we all think about in terms of Nike, Apple, like the, the great brands are doing that, but there's no real terminology for it. We leverage those seven levels in our workshops. And we actually talk to people about how do you reach your audience within these levels? And when they're at the bottom level, how do you actually get them to the level above instead of thinking that it's so black and white and that you can just switch someone from not being interested to interested. And so it is, you know, it's somewhat idea driven. It's somewhat design thinking. Um, but it's really, you know, I would say it's, it's more focused on kind of human thinking, like really getting to the, what's happening for the people that are working for this organization day to day. And I think a lot of creative agencies come in and they say, we're going to solve everything. Here we go. And for us, we say, you already have all the answers. We want to help you you know, come to those solutions. And then we want to help you execute on what you already know is the, is the right idea. How open are people to that kind of attention and engagement when they, I mean, cause you, you really do have to kind of come in and uh, understand and get to know them, right? Yes. And shockingly, they're open. We actually had one workshop with a startup and one of the questions we, uh, we, you know, asked them was around this idea of what gifts do you have that you feel you have not yet used mm -hmm. uh, kind of within your organization? And one person there was fairly humble and just said, oh, well, I have nothing to give. I'm just the CEO's wife because she was there with him. And I was like, uh-uh, that's not going to work. Like, you have so much to offer. Like, we're going to now get down to what do you have to offer? Uh, and it really ended up opening up the conversation with this woman and all of the things that she was really bringing to the organization without even realizing it. And, you know, I think people, again, I was a teacher. I was a first grade teacher. And every day I would ask my students what they wanted to share for a minute every single day. And they would share the craziest stories. They were six years old. But I, you know, I think that one of my talents, just natural talents that I bring to the table, I didn't even realize it was a talent, uh, was is getting people to open up and feel comfortable and feel safe and feel like they're in a place where they're not going to get in trouble for sharing what they really feel. I love that you, you can go from first graders to, to, to companies and come in and have the same approach and, and to have it work. I mean, that, that, that's really an interesting lesson. Yeah. And we're all, I mean, you know, I think the new, the new work culture that we're all trying to move towards is this idea that we should be coming to work as a whole person mm -hmm. and really this work-life integration instead of even just a balance. And so with that, our inner children are bound to, and also we want work to be fun and we want work to be playful and we also, and we want it to be productive, of course, but there is this inner child that we should be paying attention to in our day-to-day -day business because, you know, that child is going to play out different things within a workplace if they're upset if they're frustrated if they're angry and so i think you know there there's kind of a six-year-old in all of us that we can speak to uh, and that is what i tend and without you know sometimes i say within the workshops i usually actually introduce myself by saying you know i was a, a, i was a teacher and i was a middle school teacher as well so if i start to kind of be like in that teacher voice or, or treat you in any way <laughs> yeah. like a child please tell me to stop because you are not a child um so but i do think it's a, it's a good lessons to learn from and then bring to adults well first of all I, i'd love for you to unpack this cuz i i i can see here that you recently developed a method for achieving a concept called the feminine workplace so can, is that true and and what is that Okay. Yes. So 
generally speaking, uh, and, you know, and again, in the 1960s, this is kind of what ended up happening, but um, women entered the workplace and the workplace didn't really change to fit women. Women changed to fit the workplace. Um, And within all of us, we all have, you know, they're called instrumental and expressive traits, but masculine and feminine traits. I'll just use the general word. Um, And these are not necessarily male or female. It's masculine and feminine, which we all embrace. Uh, But what ended up happening, and this is kind of my thesis, if you will, that when women entered the workplace, women actually became more masculine. They embraced their masculine sides mm-hmm. and then men embraced their masculine sides and workplaces became these places of competition and aggression. Like and, alpha. You know, let's, yeah, let's kill it. Let's hustle. Like, let's get it. And like, it really ended up, I think, possibly even ignoring and not embracing at all these feminine traits that were generally seen as domestic traits, you know, nurturing, um, tenderness, sensitivity, vulnerability, love. And I believe that because, you know, not only has there obviously been a lot of issues with the workplace based on the recent news, I don't really have to point to that. Um, But for men as well, there's a huge issue with men being able to express themselves in a workplace and to feel comfortable with failure and to share what they're experiencing. And so what I believe the feminine workplace will do is actually by embracing the feminine traits for men and for women, you know, workplaces will be more emotionally productive, more emotionally safe, uh, and will actually increase engagement, as I mentioned before, with those seven levels of engagement. So we've been doing a, a series of workshops and talks within within companies as well and talking about what are these traits, how can you embrace them, and how will it actually affect your bottom line? It's interesting, and, and you read about that. I actually interviewed somebody for the this PBS show that I do, um, Brief But Spectacular, Swanee Hunt who uh, runs an organization out of Harvard and was a former ambassador. And she she talks about bringing in women in, in, in positions of leadership and that one of the traits that is best um, adopted is bringing other people into the conversation. There's less of an insecurity to bring more people, more voices to, to one set of problems than there is in a more masculine environment. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, you know, I actually wrote about this on LinkedIn and there were some people that some men that were telling me I was sexist, which I found so interesting. And I and I had to go into my feminine to respond in a way that was very receptive and empathetic. Uh, And in that moment, you know, that's I think, again, we, we have these workplaces now that truly do not feel safe. They don't feel safe for, for both parties. Uh, and you know, that's a whole other conversation. We could probably also talk for two hours on that. But in that same token, I think that by men also embracing their feminine traits, there's an opportunity for men and women to understand each other differently. And I think that's kind of where it's not about, it's not even about to me, obviously women do have to be in more leadership positions. There's a huge issue and discrepancy there, but let's create a a place where men and women feel excited to work uh, and not necessarily scared because I think that's the position that we're in right now. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidate for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. 
In fact, 80% of employers who post the job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time. ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And there's Veridesk. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more, sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 electric standing desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, Stable at any height and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veritas products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veritas products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric, risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at veridescom slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com slash Forbes. Well, I think people can hear it in your voice, actually. You know, you're incredibly convincing, and I want to get to, to uh, an aspect of that that helped you because you convinced Tony Shea, uh, founder of the Downtown Project in Las Vegas, CEO, co-founder of Zappos, uh, to invest in you, right? Yes, and that's kind of a weird story because he kind of convinced me and then I ended up convincing him and it was kind of a very unique proposition on both sides because I met him at a conference uh, mm-hmm. and then he invited me to come to Downtown Vegas. He would invite quite a few people and uh, he didn't remember me. Yeah. So, so I've, I've told this story before, but when I got there, he didn't, you know, I went to hug him to say hello, like, oh, thanks for inviting me across the country. And he backed away from me. So that was really that part where I had to kind of convince him on who I was and why yeah. it was worth even having a conversation with me. Uh, and I did that by putting my foot in my mouth numerous times. I actually told someone who was visiting as well to watch his own TED Talk um, because <laughs> I, did, I, did, I didn't great. recognize him. He had, he had a beard at the time. And so it ended up getting back to Tony and, and Tony kind of was more intrigued on who I actually was. Uh, and from there, you know, our first conversation was him asking me over lunch, what did I want to do with my life? Uh, and my answer was, I really wanted to develop experiences that impacted people's lives, that changed people's perspective, right. that really, again, brought them from passive to active. And then over six months, I, I actually moved back to New York. Tony and I stayed in touch. And I realized that I just wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself. Um, and at that time, it was really being able to help him in the very first few years with the Downtown Project Initiative. Yeah. Um, what, what year was this yeah. now? So this was uh, six years ago I visited. Okay. And then five – we were the third investment. Uh, there was no Downtown Project. It was just Tony and one other person. So by the time we met, you know, our whole kind of the vision that he had laid out was really us imagining yeah. it as opposed to buying into it. That's cool. I remember that I did a story on him six years ago for PBS NewsHour, and I, I I remember we did we were trying to get an interview with him and we couldn't. And we did a story, and then I just happened to run into him <laughs> as he was roaming around <laughs> Vegas, kind of a similar thing. 
But he that was like, he was down so to do it. I think it was more like his publicist or so. He was like, no, Tony's busy. And then we were having, we just like bumped into him. He's like, I'd love to chat with you guys. <laughs> that wandering is the around. most, oh my God. I a collision. That was a creative collision. Yes, that's exactly what I was right? going to I know. Say. I was like, I think I could make it in downtown Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so <laughs> that actually. Oh my gosh, you have to. I'm gonna send this to Tony after because that is exactly why he wanted to create this whole initiative. So you just hit that. the nail on the head. I'll send I love you that. that video. I think we actually have it on camera because we were filming and we bumped into him. I'll send it to you. So it's you, funny. so you've been to downtown. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I love downtown Vegas. I actually, because I've had to go to Vegas to cover the CES, and I've had to go for other reasons. I usually stay downtown because I, I can't, for the life of me, handle the Strip. Nope, I, not I'm from for Nova me. Scotia originally. I cannot handle the Strip. Oh, I, yeah. I don't even know where I am. I go, if it's left, I go right. If it's right, I go left. I, I, I can't even cross the street. I shut down. The Strip is, the strip is literally a if you were to go to like sandwich a or so. Yeah, I freak out. <laughs> If you were to go to a thesaurus and look up like the opposite opposite of Nova Scotia, it would be the strip. <laughs> it's the strip. Of Las Vegas. I can't handle. It. Nothing goes right for me in Vegas. I, I think I tried to tip a guy once to get a better room, and I almost got arrested. <laughs> I, I would say that when Vegas for you know, the, I felt very similarly. The strip is a very scary place, but what ended up happening was out of that whole you know Tony collision experience that I had as well was that we wanted to start by doing these experiences in downtown Vegas called Catalyst Week and Creative Week. Right. Um, and, and those events were all around inspiring and educating the public by bringing individuals and almost doing exactly what I was talking about with internal companies, bringing them for three days from all over the world, having these internal workshops, these internal experiences for yeah. them so that they really left being inspired. And then they would give talks and workshops to the public. And so it was kind of an internal and external experience. And we did that for two and a half years. We brought 250 speakers, 2000, you know, individuals, um, over these two and a half years. And that was exactly the response we would always receive because there were people (laughs) such as yourself, like really, you know, creative, unique individuals doing amazing things in the world. And we would ask, do you want to come to Vegas? And they would say, absolutely not. And then we'd have to convince them (laughs) that it wasn't what they thought. Well, tell me about some of the brand I know NPR, Dell, Coca-Cola, the New York City Ballet, Starwood Hotels. Tell me, tell me about who else uh, – tell me about some of the brands that you've worked with and how did your, your uh, client list grow after the collision with Tony Shea? So once we started doing those Catalyst and Creative Weeks, it really became an opportunity for us to invite people, as I mentioned, from all over to attend. And so a lot of clients actually came from either someone attending and saying, you have to come or you have to work with these people or the actual client, potential client coming and saying, like, how can you do this for for my brand? Um, and it really ended up happening organically, almost in a snowball effect. Uh, and the, you know, the work we've done now, we as I mentioned, we always like to start with the internal, but the external outputs really vary. So for Google, we just did an event uh, with them for a lot of their brands that they work with. We actually built a, a brand for them called Beauty Redefined. Uh, and it was an entire, you know, a logo and design and a really right. just like foundational you know, design for them and then built an entire event for them, um, to talk to their, you know, beauty clients around kind of the future of beauty. Uh, and then, you know, with the New York city ballet, we helped them launch a campaign, uh, called with ballet, which was a storytelling campaign where all these individuals could actually share stories of their relationships with ballet. Right. Uh, and so every single thing that we do, again, going back to, 
that seventh level of engagement is always around this idea of how do we get people to feel personally connected to the brands that we're working with. Uh, and the reason that we've kind of been able to work with these brands is because generally speaking, we've personally connected with them or someone that they know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's really happened in a, in a very organic way. And how, give me a, a sense of the, the size of the team and the bandwidth. <laughs> Yes. So we're a mighty team. There is There are 10 people full-time, and WeWork is actually a client of ours as well. And uh, so we have WeWork offices all over the – Yes. Nice going. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so we, we have WeWork offices all over the country. Free space and free uh, actually, coffee. Yes, pretty much. Genius. And everyone, everyone is um, so there are people in Seattle, Portland, mm-hmm. um, Las Vegas, oh, Los Angeles, New York. I mean, every, they're all over. Yeah, not not Nova Scotia yet. Well, but. listen, we can expand. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then we have a team of really, again, because of this huge network that we've developed, uh, we have really thousands of people that we draw on per project. So if it's, you know, we're, we're launching a brand in Canada over the next few months, and we're bringing in different contractors and partners that can help support that infrastructure. Um, or we, if we do a large scale campaign with video content, we bring in, you know, our, the previous video, video editors that we've right. worked with to film all of those talks in downtown Vegas. So we've now kind of built this network of, and I think this is the future of work really, especially with the gig economy and all these individuals that we work um, is tapping into people who that's their core passion and being able to bring them in with something to something that they love. It's so funny. It's not funny. It's interesting listening to you talk because there's, you you say so much that I feel like this must happen to you. You get into a conversation, people just hire you because they're like, I don't even know (laughs) everything that's happening. I don't even know everything that's being said right now, but I, I know I need it. Does that ever happen to you? I can't even. So I. <laughs> That's what I would. I would. I would hire you in a panic. Before, oh my God! You literally know me so well. I think we're going to be best friends. So after, after, before Catalyst, sorry, I was at a company um, called Page Hospitality Group, and I opened. Um, I helped open a few different restaurants called the Ainsworth. They're all over okay. the country now, and it's a uh, it's an amazing brand. And I speak very quickly, as you can tell. And I was really the only woman executive. And all the men would joke, and they would say that I slaveru. My last name's Slavin or Slavin, but slaveru people. Right. Like I speak so quickly and so much that they're like, yes, yes, I don't yeah. even know what I'm saying. So much yes, is being but... accomplished in this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> the notes from the meeting would be 15 pages. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's funny, too, because when I write, I, I write, you know, a bit for some different publications. And the I, when I write... Post, right? You used to write for them? I used to write a lot for HuffPost, but I've written for... I actually wrote for Forbes Under 30 um, for one article. Oh, cool. But I've written... Yeah, for for quite kind of all over the map. Okay. Um, but my writing sounds a lot like my my speaking, so I yeah, really have to be too. careful with yeah. my sentences, or they'll be like ten pages long. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Under 30 podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to the rate and term in real time? And why can't there be client-focused technological mortgage revolution? 
Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. And can you tell me, so the 10, 10 people, right? Yep. Uh, profitable? Yes. And the funding, where does all the funding come from? The initial funding, so I, I took a very little bit amount of money from Tony. Okay. Uh, and that was something that, I realized after reading Mika Brzezinski's book uh, that women undervalue themselves. And then I raised Uh, a little bit more from him uh, within six months after I had an established business plan. My first business plan was on a notebook with Sharpie markers. (laughs) And that's not a joke. Um, And then that's, that's actually been the only funding we, we do. We are working with a growth loan company right now because we are growing fairly rapidly. Mm -hmm. uh, But that's not necessarily anything through traditional VCs or, you know, investors. So the only real money that we've, we've raised was through Tony. And so does that mean, does the downtown project have a piece of, of your company? They do. They have a piece of my company. Absolutely. How, How does that make you feel? So, you know, it's interesting because when when I first raised the money, there was no downtown project. It really was Tony. And right. so I then, you know, downtown project was a client of ours as well. Tony was a client of ours as well as an investor. Mm-hmm. And for those first two and a half years, um, it made a lot of sense to have kind of this cohesion. Mm-hmm. And then over, you know, over the past few years, we've really had to, um, I think, determine what what the role for downtown project is for us because for so long they were that client and now they're a really wonderful investor. I mean, they, they kind of allow for us to do what we do. Um, they support us if we were to ever need anything. Like if I were to ever need any type of introduction or relationship or guidance or advice, right, I could go to Tony, you, which is so important. Yeah. yeah, it is so important. And I think again, so many people, think in terms of that with an investor, they're going to get a mentor. And I don't think that's generally the case by any means, yeah. usually, especially from a VC. So Tony's also a friend. He once, he once wrote in an, there was an article uh, about Catalyst and he was interviewed and he's like, Amanda's always been my friend. And then he said like, she's the good kind of crazy. And I was like, okay, thanks Tony. And then he said, and then he said she could sell anything to anyone. Um, but you know, I think in that moment, it's exactly, he, he kind of sees me and knows me and gets me and, and he is my, my friend as well as an investor. And I think that that's an important thing when thinking about strategic funding for anyone. Well, tell me as you were filling out the company, what skills were you looking for? What do the people do and, and how do they offset your talents? 
Yeah. So we have, so my uh, best friend is also one of the co-founders and he's one of the best event producers that I've ever met. He comes from very high end events. He actually planned a, I always say a $3 million wedding in Geneva where Andre Bocelli performed ridiculous for 150 people. Um, so his, his expertise is high end event production. And then we have some, someone else with him working kind of with an events department. Uh, we have a, a amazing design department. So graphic designers, you know, creative direction, mm-hmm. uh, illustration, infographics. And then we also have a communications department. So that's social media, again, communications, paid media, etc. Mm-hmm. For me, I really kind of tend to be kind of two hats. Or, well, okay. So this is a whole other conversation. I'm not going to bring this up. I'll only say one thing, but we operate from this infrastructure called holacracy. It's not a corporate, you know, hierarchy. Yeah. It's what actually Tony does with Zappos. And so it's all based on roles and accountabilities, not based on titles. And so I wear probably, you know, two, three, four, six hats, and each person actually has many roles. And so for me, I consider myself a strategist. I consider myself a curator in terms of influencers and speakers and programming. And I consider myself a project manager. But all of the other individuals get to play out all of these different talents because holacracy allows for them to do so. And we've been doing that for about four years. So that's a long answer to a short question. But well, was it important it for you on the leadership side of things to find people who complimented you? It absolutely – so it was kind of twofold. It was complimented me with their actual skills. That was very important. But secondary, and I think actually something that's very overlooked, is how important it was for me to find people that would be looking at the organization and be willing to communicate how to move it forward and, and really our idea generators coming up with – things that would support the company because I didn't really want to be in a position where I was doing everything alone and kind of like leading the troops again, fairly masculine. Uh, I wanted it to be more of a collaborative community process. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you need people that are willing to speak up. So it was actually a personality fit as much as it was a skill. That's good because a lot of people who are, I mean, that's very secure of you. I think to, to 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 bring in people that are going to voice their opinions. I know a lot of people in leadership positions who are very outgoing and and have you know high levels of engagement. They like to be in complete control, and so you see the person next to them. They might not even say a word in like a week. <laughs> and the guy, the guy or the girl, the you know the CEO probably doesn't even realize they just they're in like an unbroken monologue in the company. Yeah, that, you know, I have a big charismatic personality. And I actually feared, and I talk so much, as you can tell, that I really needed a mechanism for me to talk less. And what Holacracy does is, you know, we have these monthly meetings where anyone can bring up a problem, they're called tensions, where the company is versus where the company could be, and come up with a proposal. So the the problem or the tension could actually be something that involves me. uh, But in that moment, it is on that person to come up with the proposal. And if I don't think it's going to harm the company, I have no say in actually, you know, declining that that's going to happen. So I wanted to create mechanisms for the people around me to be able to speak up. Or again, as a charismatic leader, I felt like they might not ever have the space to because I just will never shut up. It's really interesting. I have a fiance and Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, you know, just to segue into that, she, I, I, she told me last night, she said, couples that are successful talk 30 minutes every day, have a 30 minute conversation every day, face to face. But she told me that what? after she was starting to engage with me for 30 minutes and like a very – it felt a little forced at the beginning. She said, how are you? And I was like, uh, what? What do you mean? You know? Are you – how are you? And then I realized what she was doing. She told me. Couples that really are successful 
So, you know, we have that to look oh, forward to. Oh, we would be friends, too. <laughs> Me and her would definitely be friends. 30 minutes. Might be on time. At least. Be, I just got engaged as well, and I have uh, congratulations for you. Thank you, and congratulations to you as well. Um, so we did the – there's uh, some questions in the New York Times about – like, these are the questions to ask before you get married. Oh, yeah. Hit me. And – Oh, I'm not going to give them to you. This is a whole, this is like a 10 hour game. Oh, like, okay. You should do this with your fiance because they are, I mean, the questions are essentially like, if we, if something were to go wrong, do you believe in divorce or do you oh. want to stick this out forever? Oh, but like, God. these are questions, <laughs> it's like a man's nightmare. I think I want to stick it out forever. Yeah. That's the answer you say. You don't, you don't even acknowledge divorce. <laughs> but that is exactly what these questions did. And it was supposed to be a 30 minute game. And it ended up being like this three-hour conversation that my fiance and I had because we so we so infrequently talk about these things right. that are so important. And so then we started to really, you know, we listened to this amazing podcast about marriage, and we started to do a little bit more research on marriage. And I think it's we we want to be in this conscious partnership where we we do want it to be successful, and we both want it to be we we both want to be heard, and we both yes. want to feel like we're seen. And so these questions, if you just look up New York Times wedding questions okay. or pre-marriage questions, yeah. it will blow your mind. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do that, and then I'll decide whether I want to really bring this into the relationship. <laughs> and, but, but what can I say to her the, to talk about tensions, relate, acupuncture? What do I want to say? The... So it's funny that you say that about tensions. So tensions are where the partnership, where the couple is yeah. versus where the couple could be. Right. And what you do is instead of actually harping on the tension, you come up with a starting proposal that will help move the couple forward right. and so what that could look like is you know my tension is that you leave paper towels all over the house every single minute of yes. your entire life jonathan my fiance uh so my starting proposal is that you know what we do is you know at the end of the day you just go around the house and make sure that you've thrown out all the paper towels so that i don't literally lose my mind so it's something like you could apply to that right. and with the brand acupuncture workshop you know being able to and i could send you some of these questions being able to also for her this is the one question yes. i talked about yeah. which was what gifts are you not bringing to this relationship? Like mm. what gifts do you have that you might not be bringing um, and why? And so those are two things from Cattle's Creative that you could apply to your personal okay. relationship. With this your is fiance. great. You know, listen, for our, for our <laughs> listeners out there, you're either working to get in a relationship or you're working to stay in a relationship. That's the, yep. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's life. That's, a, that's yeah. all of life. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll be hiring you for uh, some personal <laughs> affairs as we lead in. But we're two weeks away from this wedding, so. Oh uh, my God, we're like three months away, and it's that's a. As an entrepreneur, having to plan a wedding, we're going as small as humanly possible yeah. and just kind of showing up because that is a tricky situation. I know. I know. I know. You probably need. I know. I can't even get into it. Oh my God. Well, well, tell me this. Can can you? What is an example of a, of a mechanism that you use to empower your employees to speak up? Absolutely, and I I do want to say, interestingly enough, in terms of empowering the individuals that work for Catalyst, I I don't use my employees because I consider them colleagues, and and in so mm. many ways I work for all of them. But right. in terms of in terms of an issue that came up, we we had someone that worked for the company, and I. Uh, she was supposed to be helping us with our communications, our internal communications and external. And she stopped, you know, we had kind of a, a follow app that we could tell when people unfollowed us on social media. And I saw that she unfollowed us. And so I was, you know, I was kind of a little bit right. turned off by that. But instead of getting really angry at her, um, within kind of this holocratic approach, I asked her, you know, why did you unfollow us? 
Uh, and because of the nature of the organization, what was able to kind of come out and ended up coming out at a governance meeting, which I've discussed before, is that the tension she had was that social media was actually talking too much about me. Mm. Uh, and and that she felt like it wasn't talking enough about the company. And the reason that was is that, you know, press generally is about the founder. So we would just be sharing press. Um, and in that moment, I could have gotten really angry and really offended. But instead, I said, you know what? You're actually, if this is how you feel, first of all, the one thing you should never do is unfollow us because it's your job and you're not doing your job. What you should be doing and what you could be doing is enhancing our digital presence by actually speaking up and by telling me that you feel this way because you're probably right. Because if you work for the company and you feel this way, what do other people feel? And so in that moment, we were able to create a starting proposal that she would really spearhead the social media in a way that felt you know, really supportive for the entire organization. And we came up with different ideas and concepts that would include everyone within the company. Uh, and it was something that was a really big you know, pivoting point for me as well because my ego could not right. get involved at all. And that was that was a challenge, but it was also a really productive conversation that moved the company forward. That's helpful, and that show that says a lot about you that you're able to respond without becoming emotional, but you can actually, you know, um, uh, learn something from it. Yes, and it's so funny that you use the word emotional. That is probably if you were to ask my parents, like, what's the one word that describes it? <laughs> that they would probably say emotional, like overly emotional. Yeah. So. For so long in my work career, I, I would hide my emotions and I became very hard. And that's kind of, again, that masculine piece. I would embrace my masculine. Right. And so now being soft and strong is something that I strive for. So, you know, when she says that to me, I don't have to be like in hysterics. I don't have to be like, that's so mean. But I can say, you know what? Like, that's not really fair to the company because we're paying you to actually make the company better and you're unfollowing us. And like, don't you see that that's probably not the best thing for us and for you right. and, and being able to talk to her in a way that is productive instead of destructive. Right. And that's I think also not the right answer. Yeah. Play yeah. That role. Yeah. yeah. This has been really helpful, not just for entrepreneurs, but everybody in, uh, you know, enterprising relationships. So <laughs> I, I think, I think we covered a lot of ground. And, uh, you know, for, is there anything that you're not doing right now? You've done so much with your career and I know that, you know, we didn't even touch on it, but you went to India and had this epiphany to start creative catalyst right in the, in the beginning and, yep. and you were doing so many jobs before that. And then you, it sounds like you kind of figured out a way to move forward after that, after that trip to India. Is there anything you're not doing right now that you'd like to be doing? that's a really wonderful question uh and it's so funny you said creative catalyst because that's the english way of saying an adjective but it's catalyst creative but i'm I always sorry yeah that's right it off. <laughs> don't worry it's like everyone's like so it's like spanish because the because creative comes catalyst second creative. i'm like yes right, sure. right. Uh, so i mean the one thing that actually i don't usually speak about uh publicly and i don't think i ever have is that I randomly got diagnosed with diabetes on mm. National Diabetes Day, like right after the election. Uh, and it's not in my family. Uh, it's type 1.5. Yeah. And so I really had to change my lifestyle dramatically over the past year and a half. And I've had to change my diet. And I've had to change my exercise routines. Uh, and I've really just had to kind of change everything about my life. Uh, so the one thing that I would say is, you know, I, I think it's really important that I remember to have fun. Uh, because, you know, I meditate twice a day and I walk 10,000 steps and I make sure to eat all of my correct meals. And, uh, but I, I, because I have such a regimented routine and, and I'm obviously again, working through all of that, I think it's really important that I 
choose something at least once a day that I just enjoy and that makes me happy and that isn't for any other reason other than that. So that's something that I would like to get back to. That's great. That's that's also useful advice um, for everybody. Tell me, you know, one last question that I wanted to get to. You you mentioned the importance of work life integration. How do you? How does your company um, implore that? So because we, we you know we are we're a remote work policy um, organization. So everyone, as much as we do have the WeWorks, they get to kind of work wherever they want. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's a huge work-life integration piece for so many people who are also, you know, planning on getting married or planning on having children or planning on, I mean, literally it could really support any choice that you make or are kind of sick and don't want to have to go into an office or there's a snow day or whatever it may be. So that's the first in terms of work-life integration. We also have a learning program per person that we've invested in that each person can kind of decide on what they want to spend the money on to Mm -hmm. better themselves, whether it be a conference or, you know, a workshop or whatever it may be. Uh, And then we also have a book club which seems really menial, but it actually is is pretty awesome because we each can read any book we want once a quarter, and then we have a conversation about that book. It's so casual, but it ends up allowing for us to speak about things other than just work and getting to know each other a little bit. And then there's just two more quick ones. We do a check-in every week and the beginning of the week during our weekly meeting, and that check-in is just for us to share anything that we want, kind of like our, my first graders, uh, where it's about our weekends or it's about something personal. Uh, and then the last is that we do a quarterly retreat where we get to go actually be in person together because as much as technology and, you know, the digital landscape is right. amazing, there's just something about human to human interaction. That's pretty compelling. All right. Well, listen, um, th- this has been a sweeping conversation with uh, Amanda Slavin. We've covered a lot of ground and uh, I, I, I will be, I will be keeping up with Catalyst Creative. And uh, and thanks so much for taking the time. Absolutely, I'm excited to be your uh, you and your fiance's couple therapist. Yeah, over the next few weeks. Let's check back in after the one year <laughs> mark, and we'll see how how we're doing. We have to have these. We know, can do we can do it together. My fiance and your fiance. Do I know. Be perfect. We should check in. That's right. This will be the great experiment, <laughs> and we can figure out whatever perfect. creative activation and and the pains that we want to do pain points. <laughs> a lot. I got to look at the, the transcript to cover is that. The creative activation. That's the that's right. That's the big. I won't call it a stunt. We'll call it a creative activation because it. it, it actually is my real life. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under 30. That's the number 30 at podcast1.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417 while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he'd never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is 
tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.